Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Um, we have a special podcast for you. I, I'm going to give you a couple minutes, a couple thoughts on KD and Kyrie. Looks like they're staying with the Nets for now. Um, also, I did promise you and I will deliver on more discussion over FIBA basketball. There's a lot I want to get to. Uh, I'm going to get a chance to coach in the Pangos All-American game or tournament, whatever it is this week. So I'll give you some feedback on uh, some of the elite high school kids that will be coming to McBride High School uh, in Southern California. But this pod, you know, look, I I, I get, you know, I, we talk hoop on it and we tell stories. Um, Jason and Randy Sklar are really, really freaking funny. They just are. And they, they have this uh, amazing ability to finish each other's sentences and you know, look, you're always amazed and impressed by people's comedic timing, but to have identical twin brothers have that same timing nearly every single time uh, they step in front of a microphone is remarkable. Additionally, they're like delightful people. You know, there is nothing and and they've done they have a new show called Nosebleeds and that, that we'll talk about on, on YouTube, on the UFC YouTube uh, channel. But, um, you know, they've done cheap seats. They've done, which is mystery science theater 3000, like making fun of things, but they, they do it in a way in which it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel at all like it's, uh, mean spirited, right? It's kind of, kind of special in this day and age to be really, really funny and yet to not offend anybody. How is that possible? So we'll, we'll talk some comedy with them. We'll talk about how they, how they've grown. Uh, the shows in which they developed who they are and, you know, do they live together at this moment? Like this is any, the Sklar brothers are um, I've, I've done so much sports radio with them that I've never really caught up and heard and talked to them about their story. I thought you'd enjoy it. Let's talk some KD. So the Nets and KD jointly come out and say, Hey, he's not going anywhere. I love this. I love this. I, I, this used to exist in college sports. It used to exist in pro sports where college sports, a guy had to get his release, you know, to transfer. I got to go into my, see my coach and the coach sometimes would go like, nah, 
You're going to play next year. You're all good. I'm not giving you your release. Now there's so much public pressure that everybody gets their release. And you don't even think you need a release. You just put yourself, you get in the portal. And once you're in the portal, bye-bye. Um, I do think that that's another thing that's missing from how these things go, that you should have to at least have a conversation with your coach and ask for your release or ask to be placed in the portal. Most kids do handle it the right way, but some don't. And it's just like, what are we, what are we, what are we training anybody for if that's the way we roll? But the Nets have said like, yeah, we heard that you want your release and we're not giving it to you. We hear that you want to be traded. We're not giving it to you. And I think that's awesome. And by awesome, I mean, it speaks to what is the value of having a contract if you're not making somebody fulfill that contract? You can do the same thing with Kyrie Irving. Because I think the argument that KD would make and the argument that people down on the nets would make is it hasn't worked. But we're not being, no one's really being honest about it. It it did not work last year. But you also didn't have Ben Simmons. Uh, because of the Ben Simmons trade or getting rid of James Harden, you, you had, you had pieces that didn't fit. Yeah, I love Patty Mills. I love Seth Curry. You can't have Patty Mills and Seth Curry on the court at the same time. It's hard to have one of them on the court defensively because they're so little, but you know, if, and, or you can't have one of those guys and Kyrie Irving sometimes because now you got two guys that are little and that gets exposed and Kyrie's just not a very good defender. And you didn't have great rim protection. You didn't have anybody, you know, and then K, at some point, KD, because Kyrie was so tired, it felt like from Ramadan. And, you know, you're just physically exhausted because you're fasting. There's no water, by the way, all day when you're celebrating Ramadan or observing Ramadan. A- anyway, the, the point is, it was like one on five. It was, it was hard to watch. But if the argument is it doesn't work, go back and look the year before. They were laying it to the bucks and then Kyrie got hurt. Right. Harden was not the same. He wasn't right with the with the pulled hamstring. Kyrie gets hurt. They fall apart. They still lose in a game seven. If not for Kevin Durant stepping on the line, it might be a whole different narrative today. But the idea that that it hasn't worked is both accurate and inaccurate at the same time. It's accurate because it hasn't worked. It's inaccurate because we have never seen the big three, either Harden or Simmons, all play together, all at full strength, all in the playoffs. And look, that's going to be a hard locker room to walk back in when KD made it obvious he didn't want to play for Steve Nash anymore. But you don't have to love your coach. And I respect Joe Sy for saying, this is my team. This is how I want to proceed. Does it mean it's forever? It doesn't. You know, there are couples that go through, they think they're going to get a divorce. They go through couples counseling. You know, one moves out of the house. And then maybe six months, maybe a year later, guy moves back in. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it does not. But the, the, the point is that the Nets are sitting there and this is it. I don't think it's like a Kobe Bryant moment, but remember Kobe wanted to be traded. Kobe wanted to be traded. He went on radio and talked about it. He was almost traded to the Bulls and then it didn't happen. The Bulls didn't want to throw in Luol Dang. Remember that? So look for, for Kevin Durant, like, yeah, well, I want to go to the, Boston Celtics. We don't want to trade you to the Celtics. We don't want to make another bad trade to the Celtics because you're unhappy when you got four more years in a contract. No, thanks. And then the idea is, okay, why would we make Boston a better place than this when we feel like we, if we're at full strength, we can beat Boston? Is that accurate? I don't know. I don't, I don't think Boston's a perfect team and I'm interested to see what the Nets look like. But the idea that it doesn't work, I believe, is a misconception because it hasn't actually had the time with all of them healthy in order to work. Does that make sense? I think it does. All right, let's get to Brother Sklar. The Sklar brothers are two terrific comedians, and um, they've been touring for years. They've been writing for years. They've been performing on TV shows and YouTube for years as well. Here's their story. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Well, uh, I feel like I've known them for years, known them for years, but mm-hmm. haven't known them. Okay, they're <laughs> brothers Scalar, mm-hmm. and so you guys have like you, you guys you guys have like your niche, and now it's now it's doing UFC fights as well, like for YouTube. So our, you know, I mean, the biggest show that we ever did was on ESPN, uh, probably back at the time when you were there, or maybe you were still in college playing ball, but like we were, I, I don't think so. We were. So we did ESPN, on ESPN Classic. We did Cheap Seats, which was basically Mystery Science Theater with the old weird footage from the US, from the uh, ESPN archives. Dog shows, cheerleading, beard and mustache championships, Scrabble championships, spelling bees, and we would just do the running commentary, making jokes, and then pop out and do sketches with all of our favorite comedy people. Which you look back on who was in it: Nick Kroll, Paul Rudd, David Cross. I mean, Kristen Shaw, like incredible Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. So like they all did sketches in the show and it was just a, it was the show that, you know, they ran it from 2002 to 2010, basically like on nonstop on classic. And, you know, we talked to like, who do we talk to Jay? Who we're talking to Ryan Dempster. We're talking to Cubs who played on like the, you know, the Carrie Wood, you know, Mark Pryor teams. And they're like, we all, the only thing we had on the TiVo, that's how long ago it was, were episodes of your show in the clubhouse. We just watched them over and over, which as Cardinals fans, you know, you, you, you kind of want to hate the Cubs, but I was like, I love them that they did that to us. So that show, people were like, bring it back, bring it back. And we never really had the opportunity until now when, I don't know if you ever met Crowley Sullivan. He was at ESPN years ago. Great dude at ESPN Classic. He bounced around and then went to UFC Fight Pass, which is their library, and said, I want to do Cheap Seats again here. So we're like, okay. We we're going to do it. We yeah, can't no. call it Cheap Seats. Let's call it the Nosebleeds because same concept, but it's fighting. Right? right? Makes sense. Make it, I, like, makes- I, like, I like the double entendre of Nosebleed. But I thought Nosebleed, I thought Seats Im- immediately. I didn't even think yeah. uh, of the UFC uh- thing. Yeah. So it's like, you know, again, it's our perspective from far away. And the truth is the nosebleeds is great because we we come at it from like, we're not Joe Rogan. We're not Michael Bisping. We don't know every intricacy of, you know, the sport. We love it. I think it's fascinating. If you watch the card this past weekend, the fact that like Leon Edwards can with a kick at the end of a five round match, beat the pound for pound best fighter in UFC means anything can happen. There's so much about the UFC that we actually really love, but we know the minutia of college basketball 
and baseball and you know pro college football, football. And college football and whatnot. So which so we're learning a lot more about it. But that's not the reason we're doing this show. We're doing it because it's comedy. And you look back at the early days of UFC when they had Brian Kilmeade from Fox and Friends as the ringside announcer and Jim Brown. Jim Brown, the great No, I didn't know any of this stuff. So Jim Brown was so our joke was in the first episode, which is available on on UFC's YouTube, we're like, Jim Brown, what was OJ Simpson booked? I'm sorry, it was the mid nineties. He was probably in the process of being booked as exactly. we speak. Right. And and that's it. You know, like you got people who don't know what they're doing. You've got no weight classes. You've got people who are saying he's got to climb over the ropes. Meanwhile, it's a cage. No one really knows what's going on and they're figuring it out as they go. And UFC has come so far to be at the point now where they are a legitimate, like top level sport in the world. So now they can look back at the nineties. It's like, Gottlieb, look back at your old yearbook photos from high school, and I bet you could do an hour on each one. Same with us. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, John Boy's kind of taken what you've guys done and kind of tweaked it, right, with baseball only mm-hmm. and gotten the replays. Yeah. Uh, but but has anybody else tried to, like, outright just blatantly copy? So they, so they tried to do it on ESPN Plus with a show called Roll the Tape. <laughs> And I don't think it was that successful. They just used people there. And I think, you know, it's it's a hard thing to do. We put a lot into, you know, we had a writing staff and we poured over the jokes and we would put them in there and be like, wait, this is too many jokes. We got to pull back on a few of these. And we can't say this one because down the road we have this one here and it's too similar. Like there's an art and a science to making it look like we're just hanging out and doing it, which is the real trick. And so... You know, and and years of comedy experience leads you to that point. And I'm not sure if they really fully understood that on ESPN when they went forward with this other show. So I think it's really hard to do. And that's a good thing. It's like, you know, I think we're unique in the fact that we can do that. There are very few people who do sports and comedy the way we do it. Jason, you guys grew up where? We grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. So huge Cardinals fans. Football and baseball. Where, where, where in St. Louis? So we were at Creve Corps, which is like West County, Parkway North High School. You know, we grew up right across the freeway from Dismet. Dismet put a lot of good basketball players out there. Steve Stepanovich, great Missouri sure, basketball Missouri player. 6'11", yeah. played in the league. I think he played for Indiana, played for the Indiana Pacers. Is that correct, Stepo? Uh, great player. Uh, and he, you know, he played right across the uh, highway from where we grew up, which. So, so was, was, was comedy like always your guys thing? Did you guys, when you're like little kids and yeah. you have the old uh, VHS camcorder, were you guys cracking jokes and doing skits then? We were, you know, I think we, we got way into comedy in middle school. I have a 13 year old son now. And like when we were his age, we got way into stand up comedy and we were one of the first people who had cable. And so like, you know, we would watch all these Rodney Dangerfield, young comedian specials, Special, with yeah. Seinfeld and Saget and Sam Kinison and they're all and dice. And they would only do like five, six minutes, Dom Herrera. And we would memorize all their acts because we love them. And we would regurgitate them to our parents, friends when they'd come over to play bridge. So they'd be like, so what's going on with you guys? And we're like, what's going on with us? What's going on with the shower radio? I mean, that's a dynamite item. You got music dancing next on a slick surface next to a glass door. What's up with that? And our parents, friends were like, laughing of course because that's a great joke by jerry seinfeld and we just got this bug in us we're like man we love doing comedy and we also at the same time played sports we played travel baseball we played soccer st louis is a big soccer town we played indoor soccer outdoor soccer and so our combination of sports and comedy was always like this constant in our lives as we were growing up we never thought we'd be able to do it together though in a career or or for a career because i don't know about you doug but like we we had nobody in our family being like we didn't didn't have like an uncle jeff who was a stand-up comedian in la who could like tell us these are the things you need to do in order to make it we had to like blaze our own trail plus there were no twins doing it that on the level that we could look at and be like oh we want to be like them you know, like you look even the Smothers Brothers and you're like, those guys are awesome. And they had an unbelievable run of a show on CBS back in the early 70s, late 60s. But 
you know, they they played these two characters. One was the dumb one and the other one was kind of the smart one and they give each other grief and you're like, well, they already did that. We need to figure out something else. So it, it was a very, you know, we had to sort of chop down a lot of I, stuff. I, I want to get to the, the development of the act. Let's talk about the ninth annual Rodney Dangerfield comedy special because that is, that is, I was like VHS gold in my house. Sure. Amen. Right? Yes. yes. Same. And, Same. And, and underrated, underrated, Bob Nelson hilarious who did the uh, college football college college football football introductions yeah it's almost was like a precursor university of texas right right guard and he did bruce kaskowski san francisco university tight end all that stuff a wide receiver amazing could never do that today but i mean could not do it today yakov sure enough but they have captive audience in russia they're not lying Right? Yakov, Yakov Smirnoff. I mean, what an incredible cast. So, okay, so I, I want to get to the building of the act. Sure. But it is crazy how comedy's changed, right? Like, h- how do we. How do we navigate how, how it today? Get, how do we navigate How do we navigate it and still be funny? So, you know, what's amazing is the, the comedy club as we know it, like, we work every week at the comedy store in Los Angeles, phenomenal comedy club in, in LA, probably the best one. They, there is an unwritten contract that people sort of, you, you sign when you walk through the door without actually signing on the dotted line as an audience member and a comedian, which is, we're going to try some stuff up here on stage and it's not coming from a place of hate. It's just, we're going to push the envelope and you guys are going to be cool with it. And if you don't like it or for whatever reason, you get up and leave like there's, or, or you, you tune it out. There's another joke and another comedian coming your way. And so it still feels like in those areas, like as it gets tighter and tighter on the outside in terms of what you can say and whatnot, you get into the comedy club and it's almost like a release. It's almost like, you know, when the tea kettle whistles, you say to yourself, okay, we're releasing the steam here a little bit. So I I think you can still do it. You have to be smart about how you sort of attack things in stuff that appears. Like if we were to do a comedy special, a standup special somewhere, like if it were to go on Netflix or Peacock or wherever it goes, you never know. Amazon, you have to be smart about how you craft the jokes that you do and stand behind them in a certain way. And again, we just say, don't come from a place of hate. If you don't come from a place of hate or anger and as far as towards groups of people, I think you can, you can make jokes, right, Jay? Yeah, and I think it's like it depends also who you are, who you've established yourself to be. So you got guys like Bill Burr, who we love, who we think is right now at the top of his game. And that's a guy who makes his living by being out on the edge and and saying things that maybe aren't so popular, but then spending five minutes backing it up and getting you to see his point of view. And that's people know that's what he's going to do. Like when you go to a Bill Burr show, you, you, you are expecting that when you turn it on a Bill Burr special on Netflix, you know, that's what you're getting. I think when people step out of the character that they've done and do things that are maybe a little on the edge, then that's when people get into a little bit of trouble. So, you know, whatever Michael Richards was doing at, at the Laugh Factory, that wasn't necessarily in his character. And he just went off and he got filmed and that was a bad call and i think that's stuck on him for probably will forever but then you then you have Chappelle, yeah who uh i mean like Chappelle can she Chappelle can't make fun of uh transgender people mm-hmm. lgbtq plus lgbt plus q, q or yeah, q, q plus, plus yeah yep. um on, on the other hand you have like Joe Coy, who's really hot, right? Like, yep. Now, Joy does, uh, Joe does a bit where he talks about he he knows what ethnicity of Asian or island you are, right? Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. No, maybe even Chappelle couldn't do it. It's like the, the the rules are very very complex in terms of what we can and or not what we. I'm not a comedian. What comedians can and cannot. What, what topics they can even tackle. And it is one of those things where there are, there is no blanket rule. There just isn't. You have I mean, to I, take think, I think if you're of a certain race, then you can talk about that. Like we can't do the material about race that Chappelle does, but Chappelle can, and he never gets heat for that. I think part of the reason why he's gotten some heat recently for doing trans materials because he's not trans and he doesn't have that. He doesn't understand that particular struggle. So he's just making observations about it. 
However, he does oftentimes relate it back to race. And so, you know, you can argue that Chappelle's gotten a lot of heat and and been quote unquote canceled, but he just played the Hollywood Bowl. So it's like, I, I don't necessarily think that Chappelle is canceled and i don't think that he's taken a massive hit because of the jokes that he's done and i would say i would say that i can understand some of the heat he got for you know the takes that he had i just get it i mean but by the same token i would say you know he had to do and did four separate specials on netflix in the course of like a couple years like jay and i know to to create an hour we're we're at our hour right now our next special and sort of figuring out where it's going to go it takes us like two and a half years to come up with an hour now we're you know a comedy team there aren't many comedy teams out there the way we have to do it is a little bit different he's a little more stream of conscious but like it's I think, you know, you, you get four hours of comedy. That's a difficult thing to unearth and keep it on the level the entire So, So Rand, what Randy's saying with that, Doug, is that you can't necessarily, if you have a thought and, a, and an idea that runs through a larger bit, you can't just be throwing stuff away and being like, I don't know if I should touch that. That could be a third rail. I don't know about that. So if you're, if you're doing four specials and you're, your mind is helping you write material about a specific thing that you don't understand that's out there in the world and you are relating it back to race and you are doing the things that you've been doing with all kinds of bits, then you're not going to just throw it away and be like, I don't know, man, it's a little touchy, that area. Like Chappelle's never done that. So he's like, why should I do that right now? And I think, you know, it's, it's an interesting time for comedy because, you know, we say comedy is you're it's, you should have both hands you shouldn't have a single hand tied behind your back when you're going to do comedy. Because mm-hmm. we say the, the analogy we make is like doing a set of comedy is like climbing Mount Everest. All the conditions could be perfect and you can still die. That's just what it is. Like you get on stage and you don't know what you don't know what the audience is going to be. You don't know what's going to trigger people in a weird way. So you can't have people being like, ah, don't, don't say this and don't go here and don't do this and don't do that. You just have to be free to do what you believe is funny and hope that the audience is there to laugh. And if they don't like something that they'll just sit through it and go to the next thing. The, the, your act, yeah. your act, because you're both funny. You're growing up. When was the first time you guys said, why don't we do this together? Why don't we do it back together? So the first time we stood on stage together and goofed around, I mean, we would goof around with our friends and be funny amongst our friends. And like Jay said, we'd like spew out Seinfeld's gorgeous seven minute bit from, you know, everything he did, like, you know, his hilarious bit about his mom's always like, what do you think of this wall? What do you think of that wall over there? This one? And he was like, to me, if it's forcing you to use the door to get out of the room, it's doing its job. I mean, that's just a brilliant concept. But like, as 11 year old, 12 year old kids were like saying that stuff around when we were 14 in in high school, there was like a talent show in front of 300 people at our high school and we decided to do stand-up and we wrote a little bit of stuff but being 14 year old kids we borrowed other people's material which is patently wrong you're not allowed to do that but we were kids and we didn't know and we got on stage and we got a great response even with our own material it was a mixture of like we did well with other people's material and we right, did so well give me, with give, give me give me give me some of your own material so our you own remember? material we wrote there was i remember doing a thing about a um there math were, club. There was a math club at school that just didn't get much traction called Mu Alpha Theta. Spells math uh, in, in Greek. And uh, we were like, there just aren't, because there weren't that many people. There was a bit of a dud of a club. And we... So we're like, you need... We, th- we know how to save your math club. You need better marketing. You need to hire the guys that did the truck and tractor pull commercials to do a commercial for your math club. And so Sunday, 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 yeah, Sunday. Exactly. Right. Moo, Alpha Theta, truck and protractor pull. The truck and protractor pull is a kind of a good joke, right? Yeah. So, you know, we basically like we kind of did an entire commercial like that. Carry really- the one over to so and so. I mean, we were doing all these math jokes in this sort of announcery voice and uh the crowd loved it. Was it perfect? No, but that was probably our first crafted bit that still reflects the style that we perform in today we were just drawn to these big performative bits that you know gave us a chance to bounce off of each other without creating these false characters that we didn't like because we figured you know we're a comedy team but we're twins 
we aren't like there isn't one of us who's like i'm so dumb and crazy and the other one has to reel him back in that's what the smothers brothers did so we were like we want to create this scenario where we're on stage where it is like a tornado of fun and one-upsmanship that's 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 exactly what it is how did the, the 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 thing that's amazing about you guys is i think one your voices work together thank you right because they're similar but different, and right. so right. you know, like you know, and but it's but more than anything, it's the timing of how you guys one up each other or back each other up or complete the joke. How does how does that get developed? So so Jay, we so Jay and I just went on this like crazy hike with a friend of ours who turned fifty, and he had like a bunch of guys go on this hike in around Mont Blanc, which is in uh, Switzerland and France. We were in the Swiss Alps and the French Alps and the Italian Alps doing this like crazy difficult hike up and down, you know, 10 and a half miles a day. It was super cool. And it was like challenging and fun. And we were with our buddy, Brad Meltzer, who's a New York Times bestselling author. He went to college with us. And Jay, you can finish this because, you know, yeah, he, he was talking about this TED talk that this guy, Simon Sinek, did years ago and and he met him before the ted talk but it was really about trying to figure out what are you what is your message what is your mission as a creator and this is something a exercise you could do doug for yourself and the idea was like look it's like a dartboard right outer circle is what you do you know you can argue that you're you're a broadcaster all right doug that's what you do you were a player you're a broadcaster you bring that knowledge to the table how you do it is the inner circle right inside of that so you call upon all of your experiences in your life as a player all that stuff and that's how you do it inside that circle is the bullseye and that's why you do what you do and so he got with Meltzer, this guy and they met and and they went through a whole thing and and he asked him a ton of questions because he was trying to help Brad figure out what is his mission. And they talked for hours. And then he said, I think I know what your mis- mission is. Your sort of mission statement, or I don't know what the exact term is, is that you think ordinary people can change the world. And Brad was like, holy crap, that's exactly what I think. And that comes through all my work. So as Brad's talking to me about this, I'm of course thinking like, what is our mission? And, what, and, and have we been working on this since the beginning? And it's usually... It's usually already inside of the work that you do. So it's not like you have to go out and figure out what it is. You, you, you're, you're organically creating it, right? So I think our original, as I'm talking to him, I'm like, I know what our mission statement is. Our mission statement is simple. It is, we are better together than we are individually. We are better together than we are individually. Which is basically what you were just saying, Doug. The thing that resonated with you is how we do it together. And we show a togetherness that whether people know it or not, they leave our show and they're like, well, that was cool. There's a sense of collaboration between these two people, especially. And I I would argue, sorry, Randy, cut you off, that one of our early influences that did this so well, which I'm sure you were influenced by them as well, was the Beastie Boys. We would watch the Beastie Boys and listen to the Beastie Boys and we're like, number one, they're hilarious. Number two, how much freaking fun are they having all the time? It feels like you just want to be around them because you're like, he says this, then he says this, then they all say this together. And then he backs him up and he hypes him and he does a little, yeah, and he does a little thing and their timing is beautiful and they work like this three-headed organism. And I think we saw the fun in that and we were like, we can do that. That's something we have within us. And there's a little wish fulfillment. People are sitting in the crowd going, I wish I had a twin brother who was on my wavelength, you know? So, so college, how'd you guys? So we, you know, we weren't really, we didn't say we have to go to college together. Just like we didn't say we have to get up on stage when we were 14 years old and do it together. There was no discussion like, Hey Jay, do you want to go out first? And then I'll go out second. There was none of that. It was like, Hey, we want to do comedy. Let's just go. So when we're thinking of colleges, we looked at Wisconsin, we looked at Penn and we looked at Michigan. We applied to all three. We're like, that pretty much covers it for us. Ivy league school to, you know, satisfy our Jewish parents from St. Louis, Michigan, because a it's 
States, phenomenal state institution, really good school, tremendous academics, great sports, which was something that we loved. And we had become fans of Michigan in the late 80s and the bow teams and, you know, the Glenn Rice and, you know, Ramil Robinson basketball teams. Like we became a fan of the of the school in that way. And then Wisconsin, because we're like, look, if we can't get into Michigan and we can't get into Penn, Wisconsin is a phenomenal great state school too. And it would be fun to go there as well. We knew some people who went there. So we're like, that covers it for us. That's all. It's my, my kid's going through going to college right now. And it's like, she's going to apply to 12 places. It was three for us. That's the, the only thing we did together was we applied to all three. And then we said, well, we have different scores and we have some things that are different. If you get into Penn and you get into Michigan, then we got a decision to make, you know, like who's going to go, are we going to go together or not? Let's decide later. We luckily got into all three, which is a humble brag of me saying that we got into Penn. That's the, that's the way I tell you that we got into an Ivy league school. And, uh, then we both decided that Michigan would be a lot. We visited Penn and we thought the kids were not having fun. It was a good school. It's a cool school, but we were just like, God, there's so much pressure on these kids. They're not enjoying what they're doing. Then we go to Michigan and we're like, this is the most fun place ever. And the kids are so dynamic. It's really cool. So we're like, we're going there. We're, we're going there and we're going to have a blast. And we did. In addition to being around like really smart people who are really dynamic from their high schools and they just, everybody seemed like they were doing really cool things, pushing you to push yourself. And at, at college, we started to do standup at college, at the, at University of Michigan. We started doing standup there. Then later into our years, we started doing it in Ann Arbor at the local comedy club. Then we would drive into Detroit to Mark Ridley's comedy castle and we'd be do on a Monday night, do like new talent in the city of Detroit nights. That's so much we loved it. And to relate that to an athlete, I'm sure there were times where when you were in school, where it was a Monday night or a Tuesday night and you're sitting taking 300 free throws at like 10 at night and you know other people are out at parties and you're like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, why, oh, seriously, why am I doing this? I should be hanging with friends. I'm a cop. And we would think that as we were driving into Detroit, especially if our standup wasn't that great, we were just like, we have to get on stage. We have to get on stage. This is where we figure out who we are and what we're doing. And it was hard to get on stage without great material because you never knew how it was going to do. But we just were like, we got to do this. This is the sacrifice we make. We, we take ourselves off the shelf and we, we go up there and we do this. How did you know you made it? So we, so we kind of hedged our bet a little bit. We applied to law school. Both of us got in to, again, sort of appease our... Where you guys both applied to the same three schools. You both got into all three schools. Then you both applied to law school. Then you both get into law school. Who got the better uh, LSAT score, by the way? So Jay did better. Jay did better. And then because I tried this new method the second time I took it, where I would basically circle all the answers in the workbook and then at the very end before time was up you know write them in and color them in problem was there were 24 answers and i only had 23 bubbles colored in on the eighth i accidentally skipped the eighth answer from the book so everything after that was the the wrong thing and i just i tanked my second score and i had to use my first score whatever point is it didn't matter we both got in. Jay got into Emory in Atlanta, which is a top 25 law school. And I got into George Washington in, in DC and Jay got into Wash U as well. And it looked like, okay, we're going to go different places. But we said, no, we, we have to try and do this thing that we've been working on. We, we have to, because if we don't give it a try, we'll never forgive ourselves for that. We can always go back to law school. Always. Let's defer it for a year and whatnot. So we came to New York and we gave ourselves like a little bit of time to figure out. Of course, we needed more time to figure things out than the time we allotted ourselves. After a year, what, we'd start. What year is this? 1994. We graduated from college in 94. You guys get a, a studio. Do you guys get a one bedroom? We There's three of us living in a one bedroom apartment. We actually built a wall. And so there's two people share one bedroom. It's, we're, we're living with a friend of ours who moved, who went, went to Cornell and a, a childhood friend from camp who was also a comedy writer who still well, writes comedy. What camp? Camp, camp. Ramah. It was a Jewish summer camp in Wisconsin we went to. Okay. Uh, my, and, my kids have gone to Forest Acres and Indian Acres, which is beautiful. It's in, uh, in Freiburg, Maine. Right. Gorgeous. I mean, those are the camps. It was like this camp, our camp had been around since 1948 that we went to. So old school, beautiful on a lake. It was like perfect. So, so, so your buddy that went to Cornell, what's his name? 
His name's Eric Friedman, and he's created like TV shows for Nickelodeon and for uh, for Disney XD, and he writes more kid stuff. But he's a writer. He wrote on Cheap Seats. He's brilliant. Really, really funny dude. He didn't know if he wanted to do stand-up or writing. We're like, let's all move to New York, and let's figure this out. And so we moved to the city, and about six months into the dark time there, we realized that all of our material sucked, and it was like college-based stuff. And here we are in New York City with – Sarah Silverman and, you know, Chappelle and Dave Attell and Jeff Ross and all these like Mark Maron, all these top level comics. And we're like, we don't freaking belong here. So we quit, which was really hard for us. And then we took a sketch writing class in, in, New, in New York called at Chicago City Limits just to try, try something different. Maybe we're going to be sketch writers. We don't know. And we started writing sketches and performing these sketches. And our teacher was this guy. We're like, this dude is freaking amazing he's such a good writer why isn't he working why is he just teaching a class at chicago city limits two years later him and his brother became the head writers of letterman justin stangle and eric stangle so we were right on about how smart and talented that guy was and he was actually telling us you guys are very talented and you guys should stick with this and that gave us confidence and then this alternative comedy movement sort of started to like expand in the lower east side of new york and we realized okay we would be alternative comedy we get all so, wearing flames so I can I can explain it in a, in a yeah I can explain it in a sports sense. So in the late '80s and early '90s, like there was stand-up comedy all over TV. Like A and E had comedy. You're like the only reason A and E should ever have comedy is if like a comedian gets murdered and they're doing a cold case file about how that happened. Like there shouldn't be. It was everywhere. So everybody had these TV credits. And then you go to Des Moines, Iowa, and there'd be three comedy clubs. You're like, why is there? Why are there three comedy clubs in Des Moines, Iowa? You can barely support one of them. Well, if there are three clubs on that weekend, there needs to be three headliners. So you had a lot of people. It was we like had 30 minutes who were being asked to do 45 minutes of comedy and comedy suffered because a lot of people were just bad facsimiles of the people who were on TV. It's, like if, you had, it's like if you added four baseball teams to Major League Baseball, the overall general pool of baseball, the players, the talent would go down because you're, you have to use guys who aren't ready. You know what I mean? And so that's exactly what happened. And so people were really, comedy became a very basic thing where you see a fat guy get up on stage and I could do his act for you. He's going to do 45 minutes of fat jokes. Some of them not even his. And it's like, yeah, what are we even doing here? Nothing was surprising. Nothing was interesting. And that's what where comedy gets you is when it's surprising. So this movement kind of grew up on the coast in LA and, and in New York and, and in San Francisco where people are like, we want to do comedy that's surprising. We want to do stuff that is anti what's happening in the clubs right now. And it was really cool. It was super cool that that sort of grew up because for us, we didn't want to do comedy about being twins. We didn't want to do 45 minutes about he's this one and I'm this one. That's just not what we wanted. We wanted to be funny the way we were funny around our friends, which is a much different way in a much more organic way. And this, this whole movement allowed us to do that. And from that, we wound up getting an MTV show in 1997 to host this show called Apartment 2 which had Zach Galifianakis on it and it had Michael Showalter on it and it had Stephen Colbert in the first episode. Yeah. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. 
Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, so, so help me out here. Okay, so from 94, you moved there. Yeah. yeah. Seven. How much was your rent? Uh, our rent back in the time in the day was f- like $1,500. It would not have less, just less than like $1,475 for this one bedroom apartment. So each of us are paying like $485. Okay. Then how are you guys paying it? How are day you guys- jobs. Day, day jobs. jobs. So I, Jason worked at Q2, which was QVC's younger, hipper, like channel and we actually pitched them characters that we would play like these warehouse guys how amazing would that show be if you guys were doing qvc that would they totally missed it they missed the boat they i mean i was in the talent department i'm like preparing all this stuff for these hosts and meanwhile randy and i are like we can be so funny in this thing and we pitched characters and we did them a little bit on there on the air we just we kept grinding i mean and that's i mean you know this you know this, like we, we are like you, we have talent, I believe. And we also have drive and grind. And it's like, that's the only way you're going to, we don't have enough talent to not have the drive just to make it. We need to have this oversized grind and, and talent. So we would just push and we're like, Hey, we're going to make our rent day jobs. We're going to go out and perform comedy every night. We start doing it. We get this MTV show three years later, by the time we were 25, which is super rare. It was a great opportunity. I think we were too young at the time. And we thought, you know, when it ended after a season, we thought to ourselves, okay, we're on the map. That was really cool. I wish we had another opportunity to do something like this. And then four years later, Cheap Seats comes along. Or five years later, Cheap Seats comes along. But, but in that time, we had done a number of other projects. Like, we started to develop a show in, like, 98 out in L.A. So, we were coming out to L.A. with, like, NBC and HBO Independent Productions and Warner Brothers were developing this sitcom, like, many things in L.A. And in Hollywood, you develop it and then it never goes. So, you get paid to do it and paid to develop it. So, we were getting paid money, and but at the same time, it never saw the light of day. And it was a great project and we loved it but it just never saw the light of day but that got us coming out to la and we were thinking to ourselves all right if we really want to do this yes you can stay in new york there's a handful of great late night shows that you could try and write on or be a part of snl being the top tippy top of that but you know you're thinking of you know the daily show and a handful of others but we're like we got to move out to la if we're going to do this so we really love the scene because we'd come out for a week every month and you know write during the day and perform out here at night in in la and we're like there's a cool scene out here too that kind of mirrored the scene that was in new york and we're like we got to move out here so we did in 99 and 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 then ironically three years later we get cheap seats on espn classic and uh we fly back to new york one week out of every month to shoot that show hilarious were you guys together this whole time 
living together. So we lived together until, so we lived together. We moved out to LA with our buddy, Eric Friedman. Again, he moved with us out to LA and we lived, it, that was the other thing. So we were living in Chelsea. When, so we moved from the one bedroom apartment to a three bedroom apartment in, at 19th and 8th. And again, rent was not that bad when you consider it was like 2,800 bucks a month. So you're not even paying that much to live in the city in New York. It was just something you couldn't do. But then we got a place out here, a three bedroom, huge dupe, like upstairs of a duplex. And it was so much room and so much space. You just felt like you could live more like a human being out here in LA. The three of us came out here and we lived together there. Then, you know, I was dating my then girlfriend who is now my wife, but she and I moved in together in, in 2000. And that was the last time we lived, Jay and I lived together. And it's actually, I think it's allowed us to continue our career. The fact that we have separate lives and wives and kids and families that you go into those environments and you're no longer the Sklar brothers. You're just the dad who screwed up the thing that your kid wanted you to do, but you screwed it up. Jay, Jay has, has there ever been a talk of, Hey, I want to do my own thing. You know, it, that's such a great question. I love that question because yeah, we have, actually mulled that stuff over and we have gone and done our own things within other projects and the truth is we feel like if i go back to even that mantra we still feel like we are better together than we are on our own and we have more to learn more to do and we don't mind you know we'll we'll play this out as long as it feels comfortable for us and we're, we're by the way we we are not beholden to any one thing like if it starts to feel uncomfortable we're happy to go our separate ways but we still love it we still love doing stuff together but we have definitely had moments where we're like hey do you think we would be more successful if we just sort of branched out and did our own thing and i think the answer was we should take advantage of every individual opportunity that comes up but we should still be the Sklar brothers. That's what we've worked so hard to do and create. And that is what I think is super unique. There's not the, you know, we do something that like to be a headlining comedian, you're doing something already that like 200 people in the world can do. That's it. So it's a, you're already in a really small thing. Now we're part of a comedy team. So me and without a guitar in the act or music in the act, there are maybe like four or five other comedy teams in the world that are doing it on the level that we're doing it. So you say to yourself, why would I remove that unique thing that feels so special to us? Why would I take that out of what we do? We just wouldn't do it. Um, coolest place you guys have ever played. Coolest venue or coolest, yeah, coolest venue. Um, Jay, what what did we love more than anything? What was the coolest venue we played? I, we we had a recent set in the Mont at the Montreal Comedy Festival up in the Palace of Arts up there in front of like fifteen hundred people, and it was a TV set where we recorded for television there. CBC, it's going to be played up there. It was a gala. Mark Marin hosted it, and we did just a short like eight eight minute set, and. The, the theater was gorgeous. It was like several tiers up and packed. So great. The energy was so great. And I thought this was our best short set of material for TV that we've ever done. We were... We were in it. We were having fun. You know, again, not to use a sports analogy, but I know you'll appreciate this. Like the game slowed down. Game slows down and you start to see you, you're in it and you love it. So Jay and I are having moments between each other that the audience can't even see where we're ecstatic about how things are going and that they're receiving it the way we want them to. And, you know, you're always better when things are going great. When the audience is giving it back to you, something happens in the chemistry of your brain where synapses start to fire and you start thinking comedically and you actually... In, the, in those moments in our career, we've been able to create on the spot and create comedy in those moments. And that rarely happens when you're taping a TV show because in the back of your mind, there's this thing like, I only have one shot at this. If anything goes weird, you know, we got, we got to live with that. It's such an odd thing. And so to have the freedom and feel that free, I would say that was a great moment. I will say another moment we had in our career that was fascinating and phenomenal was... God, this is maybe almost 20 years ago. 
18 years ago. We were in LA at the Palace, which is now, that's in front of like 2,000 people. And we opened for Tenacious D, which is Jack Black and Kyle Gass. And I mean, their fans are so hardcore and they love those dudes. And like, they're there to see them. And our attitude is, can we step on this stage and do what we do and come with power and give them the setup that they deserve? And I just remember doing that set performing and having a really good set and walking off stage and high-fiving Jack Black, JB, giving him some love and him being like, thanks, boys, you set it up perfectly. And that for me, like as a young comic, and obviously we love them and we just love the work they were doing, that felt really special because we didn't know how it was going to go that night. And that room was really special and big and packed with great energy. And so we've, we've had a few of those types of shows in our career, which feel good. Um. Okay, so the show is called Nosebleeds. Does does Dana say anything's off limits? No. Yep, the nosebleeds. No, no. I mean, but again, almost like a good roast, you kind of have to be smart about it. You got to do it from a place of love because if it looks like, because Dana understands his audience and certainly the audience at Fight Pass where all these episodes are available on UFC Fight Pass, which is like ESPN Classic, a library for all the, I mean, it's the largest combat library in the world. It's fantastic. I mean, the stuff they have on there is just brilliant. And again, you go back into the 90s and, and check out these, you know, the the first ever the first the second the third UFCs and no but and I they're think just they've, like you, you I almost can't a, believe sort of that it's a the same sport moment now. for them where I think and so Snoop none of that stuff is off limits like, but I think it all to, has like, to be done with a certain fight of love like, that's not to really say we don't on, give it the hard edge that it deserves. And I think some diehard UFC fans were like, that feels a little disrespectful. It didn't feel like he gave it its due. So we're always super careful about that. We're like, probably not good for us to be commenting on what's happening in the last like year or two, unless it's a crazy event that is worth it. Like one of the episodes we did was during COVID, they tried to put on fights in Alaska for AFC, Alaska Fighting Championship. And those were like in someone's backyard near a church. And they're like covering up the playground with like a tarp and it's like funny and so that's where we can go in and have fun but i don't think people want to hear us make comments and jokes about a covington fight so like for us to go back we we are kind of self-editing and going to a place where we know fight fans will think it's cool and funny and interesting and nostalgic what was the who was the fighter the other night who was licking the other guy licking the blood? He was rubbing his blood on his all, face all over the face of the other dude. That was insane. Oh my god, Luke Rockhold. That was unbelievable. So it was in that moment, and Luke Rockhold's like a fascinating dude who I, I watched this whole Michael Bisping, uh, you know, a phenomenal Michael Bisping documentary. I watched it on a plane as we were flying back from Europe recently, and it he like. Luke Rockhold's sort of life with and, and, and career path of Michael Bisping, like Rockhold beats him in the first fight. And he's like, there's no way, or, or actually I think, I think he beat, they, they each beat each other and they were like knockdown drag out fights. And I'm like, I can't believe Luke Rockhold is, Rockhold is still around. He is. And this was his last fight. And I think he, in those last moments, he's like, I know I'm taking this to the distance. And he was just like, I'm going to do something crazy. Like, again, that to me was fascinating and crazy and hilarious. And uh, he's like, you're going to taste my blood. I'm going to roll it all over your face. And there's nothing you can do about it. Cause we're clenched down low. It's kind of like a crazy disrespectful thing thing that is hilarious in our minds what's amazing about it is we're all kind of you're, you guys are a couple years older than me but <clears throat> i remember the first time i saw blood sport and yes. and you're mm -hmm. like there's no mm -hmm. way that's real right it kind of is, like, is real it kind of is, is kind of is real it's kind of most real. sport going now like crazy super popular and now people go down to a bar and pay pay-per-view and it's on every weekend and it's you know ufc was sold for four billion dollars like it's crazy how in our lifetime this sport has become not only legitimate but really mainstream and so jay and i jay and i were at the airport this past week and we did a show in tulsa okay on saturday night and you know we were on stage who was, the who was better by the way you or jay 
in total. Uh, in the show, Jay, who was better? I think I, I would, think I. Oh, I think I was a little. What? Better. Anyway, whatever. What's it? We'll, right. we'll agree to disagree. I mean, I was carrying Jay for a while. You saw like one set of footprints, and that was when right, I was carrying stop, Jay. Stop. So uh, no. So the so we're. So, so we're at the airport and the next morning we're talking about the fight and this guy behind us at like security just starts talking. Like, I didn't think this guy was a UFC fan at all. There's no way. He just starts talking about the Leon Edwards kick to the yeah. face. Kamaru Usman. Like he just starts talking about it and we're like, oh my God, this is like if, you know, if someone said, hey, did you see Pujols hit two home runs last night? And he's now at uh, 692 and he's on his way to 700. We'd have that discussion. But like remarkable that we're now having this discussion about this leg kick heard around the world. But I think it's because the UFC did something very smart and they seized on a moment and a vacuum that boxing created. When boxing didn't make the Pacquiao Mayweather fight for five freaking years, UFC just slid right in. They were already on the rise, but they were like, look, we're going to make the fights you want to see every week. Every month, there's going to be a pay-per-view with a massive fight in it. We're going to create a lot of stars and a lot of people you want to see. Men, women, women can headline our card, and that'll be a fascinating match you want to see. Coolest coolest thing ever it's brilliant. That they do that it's brilliant so they did it so we're I, and and here's the best thing because we talked about espn doing a version of cheap seats without us in terms of roll the tape and you know i mean it was their prerogative we told them like you guys this is we literally told them because they were kind of talking to us to potentially do it and to to do it again but then they're like no we want to go in a different direction we're like i don't think you understand what you're saying but the best thing is that because the prelim fights were on ESPN and ABC, they ran a promo for the nosebleeds during that sh- on ESPN. And, you know, it, we're, we're all competitors. There's a little bit of schadenfreude for us or just it felt good. You want to beat every team that turned you down that didn't draft. No you want to nope, show nope. them that you're that you're in the show and that you belong. And look what you passed up. Well, listen, uh, I can't wait watch more of this cheap seats is it was on my TiVo as well. And you guys are always amazing and incredibly kind with your time. Thank so you, I Thanks, appreciate you joining me and telling everybody I know to go and uh, watch nosebleed, which of course is on, uh, on YouTube. And it's on the, the first episode is for free on uh, UFC's YouTube page. If you just look up nosebleed Skull brothers, UFC, you can do that. And the next is, um, you can see the rest of the episodes on UFC Fight Pass. I mean, it's a great thing to subscribe to. You can see the other five. So, super fun, man. Thanks, Thank buddy. you so much. Thank you. And when, is the, when is the next live show you have? Live show. Uh, we're doing shows in Ann Arbor, Michigan at the end of September at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. We're going to do our podcast, Dumb People Town. We have a little mini run in uh, in October. Uh, we're doing... We're participating in a comedy festival in Minneapolis, October 7th. So a lot of stuff, go to supersclars.com and you can see it. But every week we're up at the comedy store here in LA. And uh, so you can just check out on supersclars.com our tour dates. All right. Last thing I promise. I know you guys got to go. Okay. Michigan beats Ohio state last year. Greatest. Better. Better. I have two children and I watched both of them being born. This felt was more satisfying. More satisfying. Better than or only watching them be born. I mean, this is because Michigan's Michigan's program was reborn in that game. Michigan, like something I followed for way longer than following my kids has been Michigan football. And the, the you just want it to be a good rivalry. Like right now, everyone's like, oh, Ohio State's going to kill them because it's in Columbus. I don't know. You don't know. Like, you don't know what their defense is going to be. You don't know what Michigan's offense is going to be. You just don't know. And so you never know. To me, it would be amazing. To finally walk into a season and be like, we don't know if we're going to win or lose. That's so much better than what we've been doing for the last 20 years, which is how badly are we going to lose? And so for that feeling for in our souls to have the one thing that happens for most teams – aside from the Detroit Lions, is to have hope. To have hope at the beginning of the season, hope in your team, belief in your team. That's that's the essence of sports. And Michigan gave us that gift last year by winning. Guys, right. you have a I, – I, I, this is in, – in listening to your idea of comedy, you have a little bit of Golden State Warriors to you, right? To, to do what you do with joy, right? I you love it. With, with, with joy every Love it, man. Splash All Brothers right. of Comedy. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you, I'm sure you get Randy's going to pick up a hammer and start helping himself. <laughs> I love it. All right, brother.
See you, Doug. My thanks to Randy and Jason. They were awesome. Uh, this is the, this is the all ball podcast reminder. You can watch, you can listen to the Doug Gottlieb show daily, three to six Eastern or 12, three Pacific, uh, on your iHeartRadio app on Fox Sports Radio, foxsportsradio.com, uh, or any of your Fox Sports Radio affiliates. Thanks so much for listening. There's more of these great interviews to come. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is all ball. Three six five. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets when you bet just five dollars. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet three six five. Twenty one plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one eight hundred Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.